You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along. Today's show is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need, visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. On today's show, crushing news for LSU is their expected starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, suffered a severe injury to his left arm that will require surgery. We will give you the latest there. Also, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South is going to stop by. He will talk everything from best quarterback in the SEC this year to who will lead the SEC in rushing. We'll talk about it all with Connor O'Gara. I am Chris Gordy. Be sure to follow Locked on SEC for free where you get your uh, wherever you get your podcast, you get the latest episode of the show as soon as it comes out each and every day. All right, tons to get into. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. What a catch! Around the conference. And we start with LSU as they released a statement Monday evening that their projected starting quarterback, Miles Brennan, has injured his left arm and will undergo surgery. Sources tell The Athletic. He broke the humerus bone in his left arm, which will require surgery. Coach O said in a statement, his timeline is yet to be determined. Miles has done everything we have asked of him this summer and was in the fight to be the starting quarterback at LSU. Brennan is a senior from Long Beach, Mississippi, started LSU's first three games last year, passing for over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns before an injury against Missouri sidelined him for the rest of the year. Brennan and made some headlines in recent weeks, signing multiple NIL deals, including Raising Cane's, Smoothie King, and most recently, a deal for a truck with a local Baton Rouge car dealer. For now, it appears, second-year quarterback Max Johnson is in line to be the LSU starting quarterback. When Brennan went down with injury last year, the Tigers turned to TJ Finley for a handful of games before eventually turning to Max Johnson, who started the last two games of the season for LSU, leading them to victories over Florida and Ole Miss. As of last week, LSU was still saying it was an open quarterback competition, but many assumed Brennan, being the fifth-year senior, had the leg up. LSU's only other scholarship quarterback currently is true freshman Garrett Nussmeyer, as T.J. Finley transferred to Auburn this offseason. Some are projecting that Brennan's timetable for recovery could be somewhere in the two- to three-month range, so that would bring him back somewhere mid-season, but... Of course, if Max Johnson is playing well and winning games, hard to see Miles Brennan coming back on the field, but we will see. That's uh, certainly an interesting one, but not the way you want to settle a quarterback competition, but at least now it's settled. With a couple weeks to prepare for UCLA in their season opener, now LSU can fully commit all their resources to Max Johnson, but a lot of people thought maybe with Jake Peets coming over as the new offensive coordinator, maybe they would work in some some RPOs. If Miles Brennan's a starter, put in some RPOs for Max Johnson. They may want to rethink that a little bit as you don't want your uh, starting quarterback running too much, although that is an asset of Max Johnson's game. But Max Johnson expects now to be the starter for LSU heading into the season as Miles Brennan is sidelined. Should note, though, the left arm for Miles Brennan is his non-throwing arm, so you know, hopefully the recovery and timetable is... Uh, just getting that bone healed, and he can get back out onto the field and still throw with his right arm, but we will see. In the never-ending saga of Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC, a state hearing in Texas on Monday saw many leaders of the Big 12 and Big 12 schools in the state capital of Austin with some Texas lawmakers 
debating the specifics of the move. Texas President Jay Hartzell was asked when the process actually started of discussing a move to the SEC. Hartzell said they reached out earlier this year in the spring, and he said the SEC did not reach out to them, that Texas initiated the conversations. Of course, you have schools like TCU, Baylor, and Texas Tech who are against the Longhorns moving on as it leaves their future and the future of the Big 12 in doubt. It appears the Big 12 is not going to go down without a fight here, where apparently, according to some reports, if they can prove Texas and the SEC and ESPN colluded on this, the Big 12 may be able to get out of giving the Longhorns and Sooners their share of their TV revenues that they would be due for this upcoming season. So we'll keep track of this story as it will not go away, but the Big 12 not going down without a fight. They're not going to let Texas and Oklahoma just walk away from them. Turn into a... Uh, ex-girlfriend leave your belongings in a box outside your house kind of deal but uh anyway we'll keep track of that in some actual sec football news members of the alabama board of trustees uh, compensation committee approved the recent contract extension and details for nick saban's new contract university announced it agreed on the extension with saban in early june a deal that adds three more years to his contract keeping him in tuscaloosa through at least february of 2029 his base salary remains $275,000. That's a bargain. But his talent fee for last year was $8.4 million and has a growth rate of $400,000 annually. It will reach $11.2 million in the final year of his extension. That means Saban will be the first college coach to reach $10 million in annual recurring compensation in the year 2023-2024. Saban will also receive an extra $800,000 completion benefit each year through 2025 upon finishing each season. So if you see Nick Saban on the streets, uh, give him to buy you a Coke. He can afford it. Over at Auburn, head coach Brian Harson is bringing back a former Tiger player, according to news that broke on Monday. According to Justin Hawkinson, uh, former cornerback Trevon Reed, who also had an NFL career after leaving Auburn, is joining the Auburn staff as an assistant in player development. So congrats to Trevon Reed. Actually just saw him at SEC Media Days, was doing some work on the Auburn Radio Network. Now jumping on the uh, coaching staff. Congrats to him. In recruiting news, Georgia landed its 13th commitment Monday night in three-star wide receiver Dylan Bell from the Houston area, committed to Georgia over the likes of Michigan, Colorado, Minnesota. He's six foot two, 205 pounds, rated as the nation's number 74 wide receiver overall. Became the Bulldogs' second wide receiver commitment in the class of 2022, joining four-star wide receiver Denylon Morissette. One of the nation's top uncommitted uh, linemen has made his decision in four-star Addison Nichols, announcing his commitment to Tennessee. He's a Georgia native, had some finalists like Ohio State, North Carolina, but picked the Vols. Six foot five, 305 pounds, like we said, four-star prospect and number three offensive guard in the country, number 12 overall prospect from the state of Georgia. He is now the highest-rated prospect committed to Tennessee in the 2022 recruiting cycle. The Vols now have 13 commitments for 2022. Mississippi State, they picked up a commitment for the 2022 cycle from the state of Louisiana. Kid by the name of Jave Gilmore, the highest-rated prospect currently committed to Mississippi State. He's six foot four, two hundred pounds. He's rated as a three-star prospect, the number forty linebacker in the country. 
And one more recruiting note, this one for the 2023 class. LSU picked up their first commitment for 2023 and four-star wide receiver Omarion Miller is the number 10 player in the state of Louisiana in the 2023 cycle. And over at Ole Miss, after starting the last two seasons at strong safety, defensive back John Haynes has entered the transfer portal. He started for the Rebels in 2019 and all of last season. During his two seasons in Oxford, Haynes is credited with 86 tackles, two interceptions, three passes defended. So don't know the story there, but uh, Ole Miss safety John Haynes on the move. And lastly... The New York Mets, they drafted Vanderbilt star pitcher Kumar Rocker with the number 10 overall pick in the MLB draft a few weeks ago. However, they did not sign him, signing some injury concerns. So Rocker will not be able to join the Mets for this for next season. And according to baseball insider John Heyman, Rocker will not be allowed to return to Vanderbilt either. So instead, he plans to spend the year doing strength and conditioning work to prepare for next year's draft, where he will re-enter in the 2022 MLB draft. And lastly, CBS Sports, they released preseason rankings of all 130 FBS teams. They project Alabama as the number one team. Expect them to go undefeated this year. And there you go. That is around the conference. When we return, we're going to talk with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. Talk all things SEC with him. That's next. Bet online still the fastest and easiest way for you to bet on all your sports action, baseball season, in full swing, getting down to the nitty-gritty. But first and foremost, we got college football starting later this month, and that means you want to get in and get signed up with Bet Online. Make sure you got your account ready and active or ready to go. Don't sit on the sidelines. This is your chance to get into the game. Head to their website. Use it. Use your mobile device. You can sign up today and receive. Your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Before the next game and before the college football season starts up, make sure you head to Bet Online and sign up. Bet Online, there are your online sportsbook experts. Roll along here, Locked On SEC, one of our favorite people to catch up with from the Saturday Down South podcast, our buddy Connor O'Gara. Connor, what, what's going on, man? Is it, did you have any off-season at all? Did you get the vacation at all? I got the vacation in, okay. thankfully. Um, it, it's been a busy summer kind of getting back to that. Did a trip to California a few weeks ago. Got Where, to Where'd you go? Home. What part? I went to every part. Really? Every part. Drove down the coast, started in San Francisco, had a buddy live there, spent a day up in Napa, drove down to Santa Barbara, did San Diego, had wow. a friend that lived there as well. I feel like I got the entire California experience. You're so great. SoCal, bro. I'm so SoCal. Not as SoCal as JT Daniels, who just comes off as the <laughs> oh ultimate. Oh, my God. He's like the ultimate California kid. He flips his hair back, and he's just like, he doesn't say it, but you look at him, and the look says, I'm so chill, bro. Like, JT Daniels, I can guarantee you was more mature as a 12-year-old than I am as a 31-year-old adult. <laughs> he is the so, like, me and my friends used to have a joke about Matt Leinart. Every time we referenced him, my buddy would always go, he's so laid back, bro. He's just so laid back. He's just so chill. I get that vibe from JT Daniels. But the thing is, is it's, there's something reassuring about it. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a guy that's going to get flustered. And, you know, the thing that's going to be talked about with JT Daniels this year is very reminiscent of the Jake Bentley storyline back in the day of, oh, you can't forget this guy skipped his senior year of high school. Yeah. And we're going to point to that. And that, that is a product of, of maturity. And he does seem 
like a guy who kind of understands the bigger picture. And if you're going to be the star quarterback at a program with national championship national championship expectations, I think that's what you'd want. So I keep getting asked. I've been doing a bunch of interviews the last couple of weeks, and people have asked, you know, who who you think's the best quarterback in the SEC? And I keep saying like, well, what do you want? Do you want stats and yards and touchdowns? Do you want wins? Because I think there's a difference there. Like. I think Matt Corral is probably going to leave the conference in passing yards and touchdowns, but he's not going to have the most wins. JT Daniels is my pick to possibly win the most. We'll see what happens with Bryce Young at Alabama, but it's like it's a tough question to answer, right? There's a lot of different ways to answer it. If you ask me who do I want to win me a football game played tomorrow with all equal competition, give me Matt Corral. There is nothing Matt Corral cannot do on a football field. If you're sleeping on his arm, you shouldn't be. Go back and watch the Egg Bowl, that throw that he made against Mississippi State in which the camera person couldn't even keep track of how far he threw this football. I I think that Matt Corral gives you so much of what you want in a modern quarterback, and he's such a great fit with Lane Kiffin. And I remember talking to him last year about that transition of going from his third offense in his many seasons and having to flip from the Rich Rod system and now he's going to Lane Kiffin system one of the things he said was I had to start coming in at 5.30 in the morning during the spring and doing these film sessions to get it down because I wasn't getting it down it was frustrating me so much he's got it down now and he's got it figured out and drop eight coverage is something he struggled with but I still think that Matt Corral gives you everything you'd want in a quarterback because he has the mobility factor as well how much do the interceptions concern you not at all Really? Not at all. Not in the slightest because dude was like, what, a 70% passer last year? Yeah. If he was a 52% passer and he would have those games where he'd just fall apart, that'd be a different story. Matt Corral's not that guy. I actually look at those games, and if you look back at the LSU game, you look back at the Arkansas game, that dude was out there in the fourth quarter after having just the torrential throw your computer or throw your gaming system at the TV type of game yeah. still out there under the belief that he could win. Yeah. And that's what I think is really enticing about Matt Corral is that he always has that confidence. You talk about the California kid. I mean, Matt Corral is kind of that guy with that California cool about him. And I think that Lane and him are just a, a very, very good fit with what they've been able to build so far. Isn't it weird that, like, the, the SEC, the pride of the South, brother, that the two best quarterbacks are California guys? Maybe the three best with Bryce Young. That's true. It's crazy <laughs> to think so about weird. that. That's where they grow them, though. That's where they grow quarterbacks. And the SEC has recognized the opportunity to be able to try and get out there and get to the West Coast and and understand that you don't just have to grow up in, in you know, Georgia or Alabama to be able to play quarterback at a high level. I think you've sold me on Now I'm looking at the numbers. Yeah, they came in bunches, six against Arkansas, five against LSU. But outside of that, he was pretty clean. So, man, if he cleans that up. That's the big if. And it was drop eight coverage in those games, and those teams successfully did that. He had to learn uh, in this offseason even just more understanding of how to deal with drop eight coverage and not predetermining your reads and doing all those different things. And he likes to be able to to make plays when, you know, the the coverage breaks down. And I think that he is a guy that just gives you so many different ways in which you can win a football game. Are you going to say the H word with his name? Eisman? I'm not actually of the belief that he's going to be in position to improve his numbers from last year. 
because I think not enough defense. Well, yeah, not enough wins too. Which, if you're a quarterback, you've got to be you've got to be in contention for a playoff spot, a conference right. championship. We hold that against these guys, and I don't know that his numbers are really going to be that much better than last year. I mean, they'll be better because he gets to play some non-conference opponents instead of just all SEC and Power Five opponents with right. playing Indiana. But I think that Matt Corral might actually take a, a potential dip with his numbers because if the defense improves and they're not allowing. 40 points every other game, then that's a totally different story with what's being asked of the Ole Miss offense. Talking with Connor O'Gara, Saturday down south. Who leads the SEC in rushing this year? So my preseason first team all SEC running backs, and I'm, I know I'm going to get heat for this, and I've already gotten heat for this. I have Tank Bigs being Chris Rodriguez. Wow. I don't have Kevin Harris. Wow. I don't have Isaiah Spiller. And those are the guys, if you just want to look at career Brian, rushing yards. Brian Robinson in Alabama, a lot of people think. Yes, as well, as well, for sure. Um, I, I think Chris Rodriguez and what he did down the stretch last year where he really kind of became their feature back, even though he's yet to start a college game. But if you look, and that's <laughs> why he's a lot of games. Back. Yeah, he's played a lot of games. And they, you know, they used to call him, uh, you know, little Benny, mini Benny back in the day. And now they call him C-Rod. But if you're sleeping on this kid, you shouldn't be. He is the highest-graded runner coming back in college football from Pro Football Focus. And even in limited snaps, some of the things that he did with average yards after first contact, SEC stat cat, if you're not following them on Twitter, you should be. <laughs> they, they really break down how good C-Rod has been in those situations and why he's not a guy who's just been reliant on the big blue wall that they have there at Kentucky and that he makes his running yards earned. And I think that you put him in that offense now with Liam Cohen and what they're going to be able to do to spread teams out and not just say, hey, we're going to put eight guys in the box and we're just going to dare you to throw the ball. He's in a similar position last year as what Kevin Harris saw. Don't get it twisted. But I, I just think that if I want a running back to go win me a football game tomorrow, give me Chris Rodriguez. Even though he's not going to catch, catch passes for you, he's still going to be able to pass block really well. And he's a guy that I just think has so much potential now that he's going to be getting a full workload. Who's the best defense in the SEC this year? Man, I think Tennessee's the worst defense. <laughs> I'll tell you that. that one's it's got to be Alabama. I think Alabama's going to have the best defense in the country. And I, Even though, like, the last few years, their stats have they've they've given off. up a lot of yards. They've fallen off. I, I think that their secondary this year, despite the fact that they lose Patrick Sertan, you return Josh Job, you return Jordan Battle, you return Malachi Moore, and you look at that secondary and think, man, I don't want to throw on any of these guys. And Jordan Battle, I know I was talking to Brad Crawford about this, might be the most physical safety in all of college football, kind of a throwback type of player. Yeah. And then Will Anderson, what he did as a true freshman last year, it gets, in a way, overlooked because it happened at Alabama. Right. But he is a guy that if you actually break down kind of how valuable he became in winning that starting job, which is not an easy thing to do at Alabama. Mm -hmm. History says if you're winning a starting job as a true freshman at Alabama, you're doing something right. right. And I think that he's a guy that just has so much potential. And I, I think Christian Harris provides that, that stability in the middle of that defense as well, despite the fact that they go out and they get Henry Toe Toe, who they really didn't even need that much because Christian Harris is excellent. But I, I just think that Bama is set up to have that bounce-back type year, though people will probably say Pete Golding will hold him back from doing that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the rich get richer with, with Toa Toa there. More with Connor O'Gara right after this. This episode brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. You could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. True story, just last week, I was uh, coming home from work. As it was starting to get dark, pulled into the garage, said, oh, that looks a little bit dark. 
noticed one of my headlights had been out. And so went immediately to rockauto.com, put in my make and model, search for it, boom, there is the exact headlight that I need for my car. Ordered not one, but two. Wanted to make sure I had a backup. And sure enough, they were on my doorstep within days and was able to replace it and swap it out. It is that easy. Comes right to your door. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. No lie, I paid a third of what I would have paid at the local chain auto parts store. They have everything you need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, whatever it is, go explore their easy-to-use website. Find the solution solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. Continuing our conversation with Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South, we were talking about some of the best names in college football. Uh, what, you didn't mention Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid McKinstry, best name in college football. If it's not the best name, it's certainly up there. Brodarius Ham, the offensive lineman at all. Broham! Broham, he's got to be up there as well. My my uh, producer, uh, my on-air producer for the Saturday Night on South podcast, Will Ogburn, is a big Brodarius Ham advocate. <laughs> I think anybody with, with the name Broham. Like, we need more bro names in, in college football. We just do, especially in the SEC. Well, DeColdis Crawford, <laughs> he's coming to the SEC, so that's that's an, another name that's going to get thrown out there. Tank Bigsby is is the most fitting name there is in college football. You think, like, I, I don't know, and I know you said you think he's going to be among the, the leaders in rushing. You, I mean, they like Sean Shivers a lot. You don't think he'll take some of the no. carries away? No, Sean Shivers is not a high-volume guy. Okay. He's never proven to be. You can go back, and I know, you know, the Iron Bowl moment that he had was in, uh, one of the, the all-time cool moments in terms of, like, a, a screenshot yeah. to see the helmet be able to come off. I think it was Xavier McKinney on that play. Shivers is a change of pace back at best. The thing I am worried about with Auburn is the workload with Tink Bixby. The yards after contact with him are tremendous. He is so difficult to bring down. I talked to Grant Morgan about this. There's not a more difficult player to bring down in the SEC than Tink Bixby. And I do worry about not relying on Bo Nix to throw the ball 30, 40 times a game and the pressure that's going to be put on Tink Bixby because the running back depth is not there at Auburn. Behind him, if he gets hurt, it can get ugly real quick. I, I, I look at the potential scenarios, the way that they could play out this year for the SEC West teams. Auburn's got a very realistic path to last place in the SEC West. Yeah. And that's partially a byproduct of this division just being really freaking good. But at the same time, I just think that Auburn has so many question marks, and they have maybe with the exception of Alabama, the most difficult first-half schedule in all of college football. And if they – like they got to put something on the field that encourages people. Brian Harson's got to show everybody, hey, you know, my offense, this system can work in the SEC. But you look at what they're doing in recruiting right now. You're behind the eight ball already. Yeah. If they get off to a slow start, ew, this thing could be, like, this could set you back a whole year if you don't start recruiting better. It could. And I think they will start recruiting better. But people just kind of want to see. They, they like seeing what a new coach is capable of. And not everybody comes in and does what Shane Beamer has done. Right. And South Carolina fans have every reason to be excited about their new head coach and the job that he's done on the recruiting trail, where even in SEC media days, uh, opening statements, he's shouting out recruits like Oscar Delp. Not directly, of course, because that'd be an NCAA violation. But, <laughs> yeah, I think that Auburn has an uphill climb in year one, and I think it's going to be really difficult for Brian Harson to – 
get to nine wins. If you're getting to nine wins with this schedule, with what obstacles face you, and especially in the passing game, too, where their receivers, they just lost so much talent from last year. Right. And I know they get Demetrius Robertson from Georgia, but I just still think that that's just going to be an awfully difficult offense and an awfully difficult team to be able to, to try and get over that hump and get them to that level that Auburn fans are frustrated they didn't get to with uh, with Gus Malzahn at the end there. So a few more for Connor O'Gara Saturday down south. So you, you talk about uh, Harson struggling. Who of the four new coaches has the best year in year one? Shane Beamer is going to come away having what I think is the best year and the most moment. Well, not not in terms of win total. That, okay. That's that's an unfair thing to say because everybody's inheriting different situations, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's unfair to uh, hold. South Carolina probably to the same standard that Auburn is being held to, and a team that's been you know nationally ranked in the way that Auburn has. I think that South Carolina will come away feeling like it has the most to be able to build off of in year one, and even if that's just six and six and going to a bowl game, if they go six and six this year at South Carolina, those fans are going to be on cloud nine. Because they're recruiting right now at a level that's even a notch higher than what Will Muschamp recruited at. Recruiting wasn't Will Muschamp's problem. It was developing talent. And if they're able to take this year zero, which it feels like more so for South Carolina than any other program, probably with the exception of Vandy in the SEC, then I think that we're looking at a a program that uh, can compete in the SEC East, at least for those, you know, second and third place spots. Okay. Uh, Last thing for you. Alabama and Georgia in Atlanta. And yes or no, and if not, who are the two other teams you could see in Atlanta? I'm going to say yes right now. (laughs) Boo, boring. That's so boring. It's so boring. (laughs) I'll say this, though. Alabama has not lost a game in the first half of the schedule in six years. Since Ole Miss. That was the day that a certain media member declared the Alabama dynasty dead. Yes. Alabama has since won three national championships. I think this year, with this schedule, with this offense, Alabama loses one in the first half of the schedule. I, I keep saying there's got to be a year because they, they play with a loaded deck all the time. <laughs> they always rotating coaches all the time. The new guys step in. They all hit gold. The players, five stars, next quarterback up, always just strikes gold. There's going to be a year where they don't, where it doesn't just Maybe. everything's. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know, but I, I think the two games and the two potential areas that Alabama could could suffer that rare early season loss would be going to Florida and then playing Texas A&M. Yeah. October 9th is a game that so many people it's have huge. circled on their calendars, and I, I can't wait to see that game. Maybe maybe more than any other in college football, that, that is the game that I, I am most anticipating. Yeah, I think a sold-out Kyle Field. I mean, it's going to be packed. Those people are going to be rabid. How quick? Who, who, tra- who settles in quicker? Whoever the quarterback is at, at uh, A&M, Haynes King, and Bryce Young, who settles in quicker and, and can make the plays for their team? It'll be interesting. So who did you say? So if it's not Bama and it's not Georgia, who do you have in Atlanta? A&M really intrigues me. I yep. think Haynes King is the ultimate X factor in the SEC. Yep. I think with the talent that they have at the pass-catching options and at tailback makes A&M a team that can do things that remind us of last year and maybe even a little bit better. I think that their their defensive line as well with Mike Elko leading that group and Marvin Leal is a guy and Jaden Peavy really came out strong down the stretch last year. I, I think that A&M is suited better to face Alabama than it has been in any of the previous three meetings with the Jimbo Fisher era. And part of that is because their secondary is more improved and they, they, should, they should have the experience on the back end where they're not getting torched left and right by these Alabama receivers. 
we can say that now in the middle of July. Right. Who knows what that'll look like when push comes to shove in October. But A&M is the team that really intrigues me. And if there's anybody that can break up the party in the SEC West, I think it's the Aggies. And in the East, Kentucky? You know. Missouri? Florida's still the team that I have locked in at second right now. But I think Kentucky is capable of at least presenting a fight. And I don't know if that means upsetting Florida. We've talked about that game a lot. That game is very underrated in the last four years now. I, I think that Kentucky can do some things that a lot of a lot of programs from a defensive standpoint wish they had. They wish they had that year-to-year continuity, and Kentucky feels like it has that. Yeah. The big thing that holds me back from saying Kentucky can finish second is that I think there are going to be moments in which Liam Cohen says, oh, this is not the Los Angeles Rams. We don't really have more than two reliable receivers yeah. at this point, and I don't think we can quite execute this offense. So I'll hold back on saying that that Kentucky can take that next step. But Kentucky and Mizzou, if both of them spend some time in the top 25 this year, it would not surprise me at all. Connor O'Gara, the Saturday Down South podcast. I know you've been uh – getting some great interviews and all that kind of stuff what do you have in the next couple weeks leading up to the start of the season i assume you'll start uh getting into really previewing each and every team heading into the start of the year yeah i'm gonna do the full crystal ball series as i do every single year where i actually have to pick every sec game that is played every game that an sec team plays this year and i like doing that because it forces me (laughs) to actually decide wait a minute am i just saying i think this team couldn't be eight and four or have i actually gone in and broken down the schedule wait what was the stink you had a stinker from last year right uh i don't think i had anything too bad maybe it was two years i think two years ago Two years ago, Mississippi State State, over LSU, right? The very first time I ever went on the Paul Feinbaum show. You were just a year off. You were just a year off. Just a year (laughs) off, and Joe Moorhead's my guy. But (laughs) I may or may not have, but definitely did go on the record and say Mississippi State was was going to win 10 games in the regular season. In my defense, they went 8-4. and Yeah. It was kind of ugly at times. They should have won 10 games. They were right there. They were right there. They had an incredible defense. I mean, three first-rounders on that defense at Mississippi State. I mean, that's an incredible thing to think about. But, yeah, that, that one uh, that one came back to bite me a little bit. There you go. Joe Moorhead's ride or die. Connor O'Gara from Saturday Down South. Thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. All right, that is just about going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Remember to subscribe if you haven't done so yet. We're here for you five days a week talking all things SEC. And a reminder, betting on the SEC does not have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast, your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling give you all the picks. Follow Locked on Bets, brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Chris Gordy. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We'll have some more guests throughout the week, starting to look ahead to the upcoming college football season. Crazy to think. We are just weeks away. Tennessee and Bowling Green. Kidding me? Be here before we know it. You guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow right here on Locked on SEC.